Hey everyone, welcome back to the Open Jumper. I'm here again with my buddy Cole Gromley here to talk some ball. How you doing today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a lot to talk about. A lot going on in the NBA. We're about a quarter of the way into the season, so it's been pretty awesome to uh, to watch some of these teams go at it. Um, I we got to start with the Pacers. Uh, let's just start with the Pacers and the Bucks. Um, this is like a budding rivalry. Obviously, it's you know you guys are a division rival. Um, but it's kind of reignited this year, especially now that the Pacers are more legit with Halliburton at the helm. But uh, can you just, like, walk me through the emotions as a Pacers fan uh, after last night's game with the whole game ball incident? Yeah, I mean, I knew the Bucks weren't too happy about losing in the in-season tournament, especially with Tyrese doing Dame celebration. But I was not <laughs> expecting last night to be as fiery as it was. I mean... Over the last five years, the Bucks are 16-4 and four against us, so it hasn't been too much of a rivalry at all. But, I mean, we're up 2-1 this year so far, and <laughs> we play again in, like, two and a half weeks, back-to-back games. But, yeah, I mean, obviously how the game ended was pretty insane. But uh, did you get a chance to see any of it? I Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I got a buddy who, you know, likes to clown me because I love talking about, you know, um, you know, like the Celtics, especially like they've had, you know, a good last couple seasons. So anytime he tries to get on me, he's a Hawks fan. So I'll kind of be like, you know what? Well, you know, at least we've made some runs and he'll be like, you know what? I only care about the present. And so as a Pacers fan, that's what your mindset's got to be right. Two and one this season. There's a clear kind of, there's clear beef. Um, I didn't watch the game live. I didn't catch it. Um, as you know, I was out at like, a, I was at a G league game covering the, the Skyhawks to hit Atlanta, Atlanta's G League game. So that was a lot of fun. But I didn't get to watch any NBA last night, probably the first time in a while where I didn't see any any minutes of any NBA game last night. But um, I did obviously catch the highlights all over social media of the incident afterwards. And I just got to say, my, my biggest takeaway, whether you want to argue that the Pacers should have gotten the game ball or the Bucks should have gotten the game ball, you know um, – I think the biggest takeaway for me is like if my franchise player, right? Like if I'm a Celtics fan, if Jason Tatum reacts the way Giannis does to anything, I would have so much secondhand embarrassment. It's not even funny. Like I can't even imagine like watching like Tatum sprint into a tunnel after a team. It's like if it's like if when Tatum dropped 60 on the Spurs a few years ago and Keldon Johnson happened to grab the, the ball for the, like a rookie who scored a bucket and Tatum like hauls his butt into the locker room. Like I just couldn't even imagine it. So that was my biggest takeaway. Giannis just, this is a grown man. I don't, I just couldn't believe how fired up he got. It's like the ladder incident from last season, but I don't know. It, I, I think Giannis, I mean, me and you have talked about this. He's a little, I've always thought this because we have such a rivalry with the, the, the uh, Bucks for the last few years, the Celtics. And I want to hear your thoughts on Giannis in general, but He's a good dude off the court. Like he's, it's not like he's some bad guy, right? Like, there are some players I don't really enjoy listening to off the court either. Like some former players too. Like I don't love Gilbert Arenas's takes on basketball, but Giannis off the court seems like a good dude. But on the court, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty dirty player, especially when he plays Boston. He gets a little little overly physical, particularly with non basketball plays. I'm cool with hard fouls on on regular plays, but. Um, what are your thoughts on on that? Because I know it's kind of gotten a little bit chippy between the Pacers and Bucks, anyways. 
Yeah, I mean, I he does get pretty emotional sometimes, and I think, and he obviously play, he's one of the most physical players in the league. So I think when he starts getting overly physical, just because of how big he is, it's highlighted even more. Like if Dame had elbowed Tyrese after Tyrese's dunk yesterday, it wouldn't look like much. <laughs> Tyrese probably wouldn't have fallen, but you have a, one of the strongest seven footers in the league elbowing him. It, it looks like he decks Tyrese, and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the emotions just built up the entire game. He he threw that elbow like six minutes into the game, if that. And then obviously after Neesmith's hard foul on him, you know the Bucks bench was almost charging the Pacers. Portis got ejected, and then I just thought it was crazy how long the Bucks starter stayed in once we'd kind of thrown in the towel and given well, up the game. That's that's the thing. So like, first of all, the Neesmith foul was that on was that on Giannis or who was that on? Was that on Portis? Yeah, uh, Neesmith fouled Giannis on that one of Giannis's yeah, layups. Portis came up to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and honestly, that was after Tyrese had gotten elbow checked by Giannis, right? Yeah, that was maybe late in the third. So, I mean, yeah, a good bit is, after. Man, I mean, if you look at the play, too, when Giannis elbows Tyrese, like, he's looking at him as he does it, and he clearly intends on doing it. And then the, the, the reason I didn't like it is because Giannis then looks like he didn't mean to like half a second later, his his expression changes. So he like he checks Tyrese to the ground after Tyrese gets the bucket and is celebrating, and then he looks at the ref and goes, "Huh?" But like you can see him clearly like with the intent to do it. You know, I'm not saying he was trying to like friggin' injure Tyrese, but he was trying to like send a message, which I feel like you could do it in other ways. But um, I mean, it's like you remember Giannis headbutted Mo Wagner too. I mean, you have seen a lot of instances of it. It's just that. It doesn't get talked about a lot because, you know, I mean, there is to an extent there's a there's a, an aspect that kind of relates to like the media sort of painting Giannis as like such a great guy, which I'm not saying he's not a good guy, like I said. But there's an there's an element to it where it's like, you know, you look at Draymond Green, who, you know, if he does one little thing, even half as bad as what Giannis did um, when he like when he headbutted Wagner, for example, it's like all over everywhere and everyone's talking about it. So there's definitely an aspect of that. Um but yeah, I mean, like, like, I just I thought the starters thing. That's a great point. I think the way they kept like all those guys in because I think what happened was they they kept Giannis in with the reserve so he could get the record or whatever, and he's putting up these numbers against like these like third stringers, like not even second stringers, but these third string guys, right? It's like Bruce Brown and then like just like all third string guys, um, and like Giannis, thirty two free throws. He shot as many free throws as the entire Pacers team, maybe more. I think it was the same amount. I think the Pacers also got 32. I mean, it's just kind of like a, a game where it seemed a little silly how they went about it, and then it somehow escalates into, into what it did. So I thought it was a little bit – I just I, maybe it's me being a, a, a Celtics fan with the rivalry we have with, with Milwaukee in the last couple of years, but I just am definitely a little bit anti-Milwaukee right now. They're not a team I hate the way I – or at least strongly root against the way I root against like Philly or uh, LA or Miami, but like more storied rivals for Boston. But um, they're definitely, uh, I think they're a little bit fake tough is I think the best way I can put it. Um, But yeah, I mean, didn't they put the starters back in once the lead was cut by the reserves a little bit? Yeah, I think we cut it to maybe like 10. With like two minutes left, and they put him back out there. And I get um, staying out for a few extra minutes if you're really close to the record. 
But I think when our starters went out, he was at least 14 points away. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he literally stayed in and just basically padded his stats. Like, like we can call a spade a spade. He literally stayed out there just to, just a stat pad against a Pacers third unit, right? Um, but, I mean, yeah, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see them play again. When do they play the back-to-back? Because I know they play back-to-back uh, against each other. Is it like a month from now? January 1st and January 3rd. Mm. Wow. So it's really, it's really we get, close. We get New Year's Day, Milwaukee and uh, in Indiana. That's actually awesome. Who would have thought that would be something I'd be saying? like a quarter into the season. But um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be super fun to watch. Uh, you know me, you know, I like the Pacers a lot because I, I love Halliburton. Um, and I, I mean, there are other guys in that team. I like, I like Bruce Brown a lot. Cause I, I really liked him in Denver. I knew that was going to be a, a pretty key signing when they got him. Um, he's one of those guys that people just um, kind of didn't talk about a lot early in his career when he was with Brooklyn and in and, and Detroit. But um He's been good for y'all too. I know he's been struggling a little bit lately, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Indiana is one of my favorite uh, non-Celtics teams, though, in the league up there with the likes of Denver and um, and other teams. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see them play Milwaukee again. Do you think there's a chance? I mean, there's a chance they play in the playoffs. Do you think that would be kind of a, a fun series, or are you still anti that series because of the matchup it presents? I mean, I don't, I don't think we would win the series. I think it'd be fun, but I mean, obviously, with our defensive issues, it's hard to imagine us winning four games if our offense slows down in the playoffs. But it'd be fun, and right now, I feel like the Pacers' goal should just be getting a top six seed. You know, I feel like that'd be a really successful season. So if yeah. we were the six seed and they were the three seed, and we lost in a competitive series, I'd be happy. Yeah, I mean that's. Honestly, I just would love to see the Bucks play the Pacers in, in a playoff series. Um, and like you said, it would be fun. Obviously, it'd be tough to pick against Milwaukee just because of Indiana's defense. That's the only thing that, you know, worries me. I mean, I will say Indiana still has, you know, a top, I believe, a top 12 net rating. So it's not like they're one of those teams. They're not like one of those teams that is, uh, you know, having that negative. Because if you have a negative net rating at this point of the season, usually that's a bad sign, right? And if you have a positive net rating, but you're, you still have a, a like a, a below 500 record. Usually, that means you're you're due for some positive regression. Um, but I think the Pacers are are I think they're just kind of who they are at this point. I think they're just a team that's going to try to outscore you uh, to beat you. Um, and whether that can work in the playoffs, we'll see. I, you know, some teams have made it work before. I mean, you look at Atlanta when they made the conference finals a couple of years back. That was not a team that you know by any means played great defense. They did play solid defense in that in the second half of that season i believe um and maybe you get indiana doing something a little bit like that as well the nba regular season can be kind of you know unpredictable anyway so you i could definitely see indiana kind of shoring up the defense a little bit especially if they make um a good trade at the deadline um i guess you know with the pacers who like would you want to see them target a big star i know there's there's talks about them going for like a wing or a, a forward at the deadline to pair up with uh, Halliburton. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that generally? I think it just depends on what price you can get certain people for. Like obviously Siakam would be a great fit sliding in at the power forward position, good defender, great offensive player, but he's expiring. He's turning 30 soon. So you don't want to give up a ton of 
young assets and picks for him. But, I mean, obviously him and OG would help our big glaring issue, which is defense. But, I mean, the only person I'd be super comfortable overpaying with a ton that is somewhat gettable, I think, is Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, he's – yeah, he's awesome. I think that that's one of the most underrated players in the league still. And I don't even know how that's possible because we saw what he did in Brooklyn last year, but it still feels like he's just not talked about. At this point with general, like, NBA social media, NBA media, like, you know, popular media, obviously, like, on the big networks, like, if you're on a small market team, you're just not going to get the coverage that you deserve all the time, right? So even, like, a guy like Lori Markinen, like, that's one of the best, probably best 25 players in the league. Um, and he's not even ever talked about because he's a, he's part of the Jazz. And same goes for Bridges. I mean, Bridges is – he's an Iron Man. So that's the kind of guy I love. I love players who, you know, uh, try to play every night. It's part of why I love Tatum. Um, kind of one of the things that's kind of grown me into becoming a fan of his because he's so durable. And even when he's banged up, he still plays. So, yeah, I mean, I think Bridges would be a huge help for you guys. Um, I know that you kind of had – it's been a roller coaster for all Pacers fans. Uh with some of the young guys because, you know, whether it be Rick Carlisle giving them the proper playing time or just those guys sort of like playing the right way. Um, obviously a big guys is Benedict Matherin. Like, is that a guy that you, I mean, I feel like you'd probably rather them keep him at, you know, at all costs, but is that a guy that you'd be willing to like see them ship for a Siakam level guy? For Siakam? No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot higher on Benny than a lot of the people in the Pacers fan base right now. Mm-hmm. I think he should be borderline untouchable. I mean, he's only 21. You know, he had a pretty great rookie season. He has some gaps in his game right now, defense, IQ at times. But, I mean, I think he's shown enough flashes. I mean, even the game the other night against the Pistons, where if you give him time, I think he could be a really big part of the core. And I don't think there's any need to rush the rebuild. Obviously, Tyrese needs some help. And he's putting a little bit of pressure on the front office, you know, and in his interview, interviews talking about how he wants to bring other people to Indiana. But I think they should hold on to Benedict for for at least the t- rest of the season. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I tend to agree. I think that your valuing of, of Matherin is not, like, unwarranted because, I mean, this season, something that's not talked about enough – um, especially with these young guys, because people always expect like a linear progression, especially in the counting stats, right? People always expect, all right, this young guy is going to put up this many points this year, and then the next year he's going to put up even more points the following year. This is not how it works, you know? And it's the same with team results as well, right? I mean, as a Celtics fan, I saw the Celtics go from one of the best teams in the league for a few years to barely making the playoffs three years ago, and then all of a sudden back in the finals a year later. So uh, sometimes progression is not uh, linear, with Matherin, right, less points, less boards, um, more assists, though, this season. But more importantly, he's shooting much better from three. He's shooting 36% from three. Um, that's a 4% increase. He's shooting a little bit better from the field as well. So, And he's getting three less minutes a game. So my whole thing with him is I do believe, as the season progresses, that he should end up getting closer to, if not breaking, last year's points per game. Like, I think it's actually plausible. I think if, if if he gets the right opportunity, which I think he should, I think I could see him actually outplaying his rookie year, even in the counting stats, in a, like definitely in the efficiency department. Like, he's definitely a better three-point shooter than he was last year. Even against Boston in that uh, play-in tournament game, he was, he was cashing threes. 
which was actually nice to see, even though I, I obviously wanted Boston to win that game. Um, if there was going to be a team to shoot well against us and beat us in that situation, I'd rather it be the Pacers than most other teams. So it was good to see him, you know, looking confident. I think with him, kind of like with Neesmith as well, um, you know, with those kinds of guys, it's all about just giving them reps. And, and the more they get reps, the more they get comfortable, the better they'll play. So I, I do think it's fair to say, you know, giving away a guy like Matherin versus Siakam, um, who's on an expiring contract, might not be the smartest move. Obviously, if you're looking at a Macau Bridges, a younger guy like that, um, who's a little bit more like locked in his current deal, then, you know, you start considering that. But um, the Pacers have enough young assets and enough uh, draft capital to 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 get a guy like that, I think, without giving up uh, Matherin. You see so many teams get, you know, big time players and they don't give up a guy half as good as Matherin. So we'll see how it goes. But I think they're in a good place right now, um, Indiana. But uh, do you think that the sixth seed is attainable? Like, do you think that they're going, if you had to guess right now, I know I asked you this last time, would you predict that they'll make a, like the top six in the playoffs? I would say probably not. I feel like the Cavs and the Heat are still better. Maybe okay. maybe even the Knicks. I mean, it just like if our offense goes through, keeps on an incredible stretch, you know, we'll win a ton of games. But I think we're due for a point for like two, three week stretch where the shots just don't fall. And then with our defensive struggles, you know, we're going to lose a lot of games in a row if our offense is off. So I think we'll drop to mid play in team. That's fair. I mean, look, I, I think, you know, there are some teams that are interesting up there. Like, I think the Magic, right? Like, they're 16 and 7 so far. <clears throat> Excuse me. 16 and 7, you know, playing awesome ball. I mean, they're, like, it's just tough to, like, kind of gauge whether they'll, they'll keep that up, too. Um, just because their offense is so – it's like the opposite of Indiana. Orlando's the opposite of Indiana. They're, they're an amazing uh, defense, but a, a really, really – poor offense um although i will say their offense has climbed in recent weeks so you know like do you think that a team like orlando is definitively better than indiana i guess is what i'm trying to ask you yeah i mean i think orlando plays a much more sustainable type of basketball right now i i obviously they've been better so far they've been they're the two seeds that yeah yeah yeah. i just meant I just meant by the end of the season, really. I think, I think the Magic have a pretty decent chance to stay at the top six seed. I think they play a very sustainable type. You know, they have a great defense, and I feel like they're just a very unselfish team with good chemistry. Um, you know, Boncaro and Franz are their two leading guys, but they're only putting up twenty points a game. It's um, their bench is actually the second highest scoring bench unit in the league. Yep, then, their depth is insane. Their depth yeah, is, is the best in the league, probably. They've just got a lot of young players that, you know, they've accepted their role this year. You know, Jonathan Isaac's healthy. He's been amazing for them on defense. I'm pretty sure he has the best individual defensive rating in the league. Doesn't surprise me. So yeah. I feel like since they play such a, like, uh, so much focus on just playing as a unit, that even if Boncaro or Franz has a night off, they can overcome that because of how they the style they play. Yeah, man, team ball still trumps all else. I feel like, you know, in today's NBA, like the last five years, we've obviously seen these, like kind of these uh, quote-unquote super teams with 
all these isolation heavy stars teaming up. But I mean, we haven't really seen that kind of team win a title. You know, I mean, the year that I think it was going to happen was when Brooklyn had Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. And I think it would have if they stayed healthy. I think even, like, I think that would have been the anomaly, right? Like, uh, for once, I think a team with a lackluster defense and a lackluster assist rate would have actually won it just purely off of talent because that's how talented that team was. But even that team, right, they went down with injury. And so we still had mostly that, kind of ball movement oriented sort of everybody eats uh you know type team winning it um even when they're led by a star it's usually a very unselfish superstar obviously we see Jokic last year and you know say what you want about Giannis you know and his temper that we've been talking about but he's you know obviously still a pretty unselfish superstar um when they won the title obviously but and obviously the Warriors that's uh, you know you know, that doesn't need to be analyzed very heavily. That's one of the best ball-moving teams in the last, you know, two decades, three decades. But um, I think that's the biggest thing for me with Boston this year. You know, as a Celtics fan, um, we, uh, we're we still, you know, I think we still have the best record in the league. Or The, the Wolves might have the same. Yeah, the Wolves have the same record. They're both – both teams are 17-5. and five. Um, But what's really interesting to me this year is actually Tatum. Um, and seeing him take two less shots a game, he's actually taking less than 20 shots a game for the first time in like four or five years. I think he, the last time he took under 20 shots per game was his first ever all-star season. And actually in the second half of that season, um, he was taking, you know, I think 20 plus, but he kind of broke out right before all-star break. So right after it really. But it's kind of interesting to see Tatum and Brown both lower their shot attempts. And it's, it's, it's like it's refreshing, but it's also tough as a guy who loves Tatum and, and wants him to kind of be like recognized as one of those elite players by, you know, most fans, right? I'm, I, you know, you get it as a Halliburton guy. You want the guy to get more and more exposure because he deserves it. Um, but, you know, I think that's, you know, that's a good point about Orlando. Um, you know, just the way they played the way they play basketball, even if they're not as talented uh, offensively as, as other teams, they play the right way. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes with Indiana. I think Indiana does the same thing. They just need to get their defense together. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, there there, uh, there are some teams out there um, that I think are worth talking about as well. I know we've, we've spent a lot of time on Indiana and Boston. Um, rightfully so. Those are two, you know, teams that have been really, really uh, fun to watch this year. But um, you mentioned the Rockets last time, uh, like with Houston, right, with Udoka and how he's coaching that team. They're 12-9. and nine. They're the second-best defense in the league behind uh, Orlando, of course. Uh, like, what do you think about that team's chances to make anything happen in the playoffs? Like, do you think there's anything there in terms of potential to win a first-round series? I don't think so. Not not unless Jalen Green kind of has more of a breakout season. But they're really, really bad on the road right now. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. I mean, they're still a super young team. They're just now learning how to play together. I feel like they probably dropped to play in team. I would, the West is pretty good. So my money would be on them missing the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, even them being 12 and nine is way better than I expected them to be going into the year. Oh, for sure. Do you think, uh, do you think there's anything like, do you think that like with Jalen green, right? 
he's been benched at the end of the last two games because he's been shooting like horrible. I don't know if you saw this, but I think he's shooting like 18% in the last two games. And Emi Odoka, as someone who, who you know, his team is coached by Emi Odoka, right? Like I watched him coach the Celtics to a finals. He's like a no-nonsense guy, right? So, you know, like the effort level wasn't really in question uh, with Boston by the time they got to the finals that year. But like with certain guys, like even Shengun last night, um, you know, apparently he benched Shengun in the end of the game too because he wasn't his effort or his his play. He was off, and Jalen Green's effort on defense isn't always there. So, do you think there's anything there in terms of long term lineup changes? Like, do you think they put like Atari Eason in the lineup over a Jalen Green or like a Dylan Brooks? Like, because I look at that team and I I think they've got pieces on the bench like Eason and Jayshon Tate and uh, even Aaron Holiday the way he's playing. I think they've got some guys who can sort of challenge um, some of these starters. So, like, do you think they're going to have any sort of, you know, big changes in the lineup or even via trade? Like, do you think any of these young guys are in jeopardy uh, by the trade deadline? I don't think they'd make any big moves, you know, year one with the new coach. Yeah. But, I mean, Tari Eason has been amazing the last two games. I think he's – the last two games he's averaging something over 20 points a game. Yep. And I know he's a really good defender, you know, big body, good rebounder. And, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see how they've been playing this year. You know, the last few years, I'm sure the entire Rockets fan base thought Jalen Green was going to be the center of their team. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of looks like Sengun is the one they're kind of leaning on. You know, he might be the best player for them in the future. But I think they're really leaning on you know, the vets they signed to kind of build the culture there. You know, Dylan Brooks, I think they're always going to want him and Van Fleet closing the games. Yeah. You know, they're hard-nosed players. They're going to do their best on defense. You know, they've just been around winning teams. So I think they're really just trying to set the culture this year. Yeah, it's a good point. I think that's the that's definitely the, the biggest emphasis that they've sort of shifted to with Udoka at the helm this year. Um, and yeah, Jalen Green, man, he's gotta he's gotta just take a jump. You know, I think he's definitely not a number two pick material right now the way he's playing. You could argue that a guy like Benedict Matherin's as good as him, because like a guy like Matherin isn't getting the touches or the minutes that Jalen Green's getting. So you definitely want more from Jalen Green if you're a Rockets fan. But Shen Goon's amazing. Like like he's definitely their best player moving forward. You know I'm a freaking Jokic guy all the way. So to see Shen Yun kind of modeling his game after him, he's literally said it and you can see it in the way he plays. He's like a, he's like a baby Jokic. So that's cool to see. And, 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 you know, I'm not afraid to admit that Shen Yun's actually given Jokic some problems um, in the, uh, in the games they've played. Um, it's kind of a running joke on Twitter. Shen Yun's sort of his, uh, like his Achilles heel. He really gives him a tough time on, on both ends actually, but especially on offense, Jokic obviously isn't the most amazing um, defender. He's a good defender, but he's not a great defender. So, but yeah, Shangun and the Rockets, I think they'll be, uh, I think they will make, you know, I think they'll make the plan, but I think like you said, there's a chance they, they, they lose out before the playoffs. It's, it's the West is tough. The whole league is tough right now. There's a lot of parody, which has been making it so fun to watch, but yeah, I mean, Houston's been great. Uh, you know, you see other teams like, um, like the Warriors struggling, um, like, and obviously I wanted to talk about them a little bit because of the Draymond thing too, the suspension. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on all that? I mean, it's kind of a lot of drama in, uh, in Warriors nation right now. 
Yeah, I mean, starting off with Draymond, I don't, I don't really know what's gotten into him this season. You know, obviously he's had some bad incidents in the past, but I mean, I feel like the last few this season have just been completely, completely unnecessary. I mean, especially the one the other night. You know, it wasn't even a hard foul or anything. He yeah, just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, he just turned around and punched him in the face. So I think it's good the league's kind of cracking down on him and. Gave him that indefinite suspension, you know, that there's not really any place for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is like pretty, you know, crazy to see. It's a little, a little jarring to see him get that um, aggressive, that randomly. I mean, look, like, you know, with Draymond, I've, I've always like had a mixed opinion on him. I, I, you know, he's like when, when the Celtics played the Warriors in the finals, he really bothered me because he was, like he like at one point like pants Jalen Brown <laughs> during the game, he does some of this really stupid stuff, and I'm like really bothered by his on court antics. And I will say, he gets away with a lot of these crazy moving screens, just trucking into guys. So I don't love that. So generally speaking, I'm mostly anti Draymond um, as a fan. Um, I will say, uh, as like a, when he speaks about basketball, like when he's been on you know, inside the NBA and talking to the TNT crew, he actually isn't like, and you can tell by the way he plays basketball when he's at his best. He's not like some, you know, knowledgeless guy. He's a knowledgeable um, high IQ player and high IQ guy, I think. Um, and, I, you know, I think he, I haven't listened to his pod very much, but I think he gives some pretty good insight. He's got a lot of, uh, you know, a pretty good following. Um, I will say, I, I still don't love the way he talks about certain players, particularly Celtics. I feel like some of these Celtics guys just catch strays from him. He, like, at one point he compared – I mean, look, this is just ridiculous. You, you can admit this is ridiculous. He compared, like, Al Horford as Boston's leader to LeBron as the Cavs' leader. Like, he said that the Celtics were an easier opponent in 2022 than the Cavs when they played them because Horford couldn't lead the Celtics like LeBron. Horford, like, what are we doing here? Right? Horford's, like – 37 years old when he's playing against the Warriors and he's not even one of the three leading scorers in the team. What do you mean he couldn't lead like LeBron did? We're talking about LeBron James. It's like if I compared Michael Jordan to like, I don't know, like John Stockton back in the day. And that's, that's even, that's being generous to Horford. Horford's no Stockton. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think that Draymond's a little bit, you know, on my on my bad side as a fan, but I, I, I do hope he kind of figures out whatever the heck is going on. Apparently there's some kind of like off court stuff he's dealing with, at least is what Warriors media and Warriors fans are kind of saying, but it could just be a cover up for him just being an, an a hole. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that unfolds. Like what are you what are your thoughts on the Warriors in general? I mean it's been really, really weird seeing like all these veteran guys playing so poorly. Wiggins and Clay, like horrible this year. What is going on with them? Yeah, I think their core has kind of run its path. You know, I don't really see them being a good playoff team unless they make a big move. You know, Clay and Clay and Wiggins. Uh, Clay's old. Like he's pretty old now. I mean, he still he still has value. He'll always be a great shooter. But I feel like they don't really have a true second option right now. You know, obviously that's what he's been in the past, and I just feel like he's at a point in his career where he's not the second option on a good playoff team. And then Wiggins' fall off has been pretty surprising. You know, I think he's only 28 years old, and it looked like he'd reached his peak only two years ago. 
So it's kind of interesting to see him struggling so much this year. But, yeah, I think they just need to make a big move. You know, Curry's obviously out there by himself half the games, you know, playing amazing, trying to make something happen. But when you're playing good teams almost every night, you know, that's just not enough sometimes. So I feel like they definitely need to switch it up. And I haven't watched them too much, so I'm not sure. But how often, how much do they stagger Curry and Paul? Um, they, they, I think they try to stagger them like early in the game, but I do, they have played them together more than you'd think, um, especially with some of the injuries that um, Golden State has had. And I think a lot of Warriors fans actually want Chris Paul gone. I've been in some spaces on Twitter. They just don't think he's a good fit. And I, I mean, you look at his individual play. It's not like his stats have been bad. He had a good game last game. Um, I think they I think they lost that game, though. But, um, like, yeah, he, he's kind of making Curry less of a point guard and more of a shooting guard. And I think Warriors fans really don't like that. Um, so they definitely haven't staggered them as much as Warriors fans would like them to. And for that reason, I do believe that Dubs fans are already like Dub Nation already wants him out. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, the Wiggins fall from grace is really weird, really sudden. Just he's falling off a cliff. Um, we'll see if he gets it back. Clay also looking a little burnt out. I remember when we played the Warriors in the 2022 finals. I I remember and and I you know I kind of sound like a hater from an outside perspective just because like they were in the finals at that time playing us but I remember saying like the Warriors like this this is probably their last chance to win one so if they do beat us it probably will be the last one they get um you know they are it does seem seem it did seem like everything was kind of coming together for them they were playing really good defense against us and you know Curry was playing the best playoff basketball of his career probably so. I mean, I, I, I kind of saw this coming. I just didn't see it coming so abruptly, right? Like, they're really, really struggling. Um, you know, so we'll see how it, you know, unfolds for them. But right now they're 11th in the West, and they have a worse net rating. Their starting lineup has a worse net rating than the Pistons starting lineup, which mm-hmm. is freaking crazy. That's that, crazy. That's hard to do right now. That's so hard to do. The Pistons haven't won a game since like the 1800s it feels like i swear to god yeah we we obviously we talked about this the other day pistons spurs and wizards one in 55 in their last 56 combined games what in the world like it seemed like the tanking era might be over but there's still a couple teams just just trucking along what what do those teams even do yeah, I mean, when I was watching the Spurs at the beginning of the year, because I wanted to see Wimby, it, I, I kind of I like their team. You know, I felt like they had a good, a lot of good solid pieces. But yeah, I don't know. They're just they just cannot win games right now. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like the hype about Wimby was obviously he could still be a superstar, but I feel like the expectation of him to, you know, be able to drop 25, 30 points a game his rookie year was a little unrealistic. And I didn't really like the point Sohan experiment. You know, I got to watch him in college at Baylor, and um, it just ne- he never struck me as someone that would play point guard. So it was interesting that Pop went that route to start the year. And I feel like he just doesn't really have the, the vision to do that. So I feel like that was hurting them for a lot of games. You know, when your point guard – isn't a great playmaker or is trying to even learn how to play the position. It's tough for a young team to get everyone involved. 
But yeah, they've how many games in a row have they lost? Seventeen now, something like that. Something like that. It's yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. I mean, they're they're three and twenty on the season. That's all you need to know. They're tied for the second worst record with Washington. Um, you know, obviously Detroit's the big winner, two and twenty-two, just obscene, just horrible basketball. And it's not like those rosters have no talent. That's the thing. And like my coldest take ever, and you know this, my coldest take in the history of watching basketball was saying the Wizards would fight for a playoff spot this year because I thought that Tyus Jones was better than he is. That guy, he really benefited actually from playing the backup point guard position behind John Morant because he's not as good as a starter. I mean, if you look at like his numbers, like he's just not as efficient. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's playing like, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time with Tyus Jones or anything, but He's, I mean, he's shooting the ball pretty well. Like, if you look at like his individual numbers, he's still a bright spot for them. Um, and you know what? He's shooting fifty percent from the field, so it's not like he's like he's still playing actually better ball than most of the guys in that team. But I just been surprised by his lack of shooting from beyond the arc. He's only shooting like thirty four percent. And yeah, I mean, I will say this: he's still averaging, you know, only point seven turnovers a game. Continues to be one of the more efficient point guards, but. He's also only getting two more minutes per game than he did in Memphis as the backup. So I don't really know what that team is even trying to do right now. Jordan Poole is terrible. I I was gonna like give a silver line, but honestly, he's just really bad in general. I just don't think there's any like any you know if ands buts about it. He's just not. He's just become a worse player. Um, I think he really benefited from that Warriors system, honestly, playing around so many like selfless vets. But uh, Wembenyana, 19 and 11 a game, 43% from the field, 27% from three. So definitely not really living up fully to offensive expectations. He's still been a defensive force. He's had some standout games, um, three blocks a game, you know. But, I mean, are you in agreement that Chet should probably win it? Because I'm I'm thinking Chet would probably be my my pick right now for rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, obviously Chet's on a way better team, and he's a really big part of it. You know, he's benefiting. You know, he had a full year. He was hurt, but he still had a full year to kind of learn more about the NBA. Yeah. Got much better players around him right now. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been really good on a really good team. And he's he's been huge in some clutch moments, too. So, I think at the moment, he's definitely my pick for rookie of the year. You know, maybe Wimby gets a little more comfortable and starts putting up monster numbers, especially – since he is on a bad team, they could just start feeding him the ball every possession. Yeah. But yeah, I think so far Chet has been better on a better team. Yeah, I think Chet's a better player just right now. Obviously, the extra year of experience helps. Um, like, I actually don't think any amount of Wembenyana stat padding, I don't want to call it that, but like feeding Wembenyana, I don't think any amount of that can change the winner from Chet to Wemby. Barring an injury, of course, to Chet, um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that, that wouldn't happen. But, um, like, I don't think any amount of, of feeding of Wemby can can change who wins it unless the Spurs start winning games, right? So I think the Spurs are just bad enough where it's like, I don't know how a rookie can win on a team that's won, you know, three out of 23 games. I don't even know what percentage that is, but it's got to be like, I mean, that's that's like nothing. I mean, that's on pace for like, <laughs> that's on pace for like 
less than 20 wins, right? It's got to be. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it unfolds. I, who who would be the other rookie of the year candidate? I mean, would it be Asar Thompson, I guess? I don't know. He's on the freaking 2-22 two and two, two and 22 Pistons. So, I don't even know. I mean, what? who would you even, like, put in that third spot? I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually one of the really underrated players I want to talk about today. I feel like Brandon Miller. Oh, yeah. Really gone yeah. unnoticed lately. You know, he's on the Hornets, so that's obviously a struggling team, especially with the LaMelo yeah. injury. But he's – I mean, he's averaging 15 points a game on 45-40 shooting. And ever since LaMelo got hurt, he's been really, really good. The last 10 games, I want to say, he's averaging seven, 17 points per game on 45-49 shooting. So that's Dang, 49% from three? Yeah, I mean, coming into the league, he was always, you know, labeled as a sharpshooter. But 49% over the last 10 games as a rookie is pretty incredible. And yeah, with him out for a while, he might end up being, you know, one of their focal points on offense next to Rozier. So, yeah, shout yeah. out Rozier, by the way. I did not think he was going to be this, um, you know, electric for them this year. I, I actually kind of, I kind of thought that they might try Miller at the two. I didn't realize he was like a full on three. How how tall is Miller? Is he like six foot seven or something? I want to say six eight or six nine, maybe. Oh wow, okay, wow. So I'm see, he's I was, big. I think I was, he's I like was tripping. I was tripping. <laughs> he could be six seven. I'm not positive, but I know he's always compared to like the size of Paul George. Okay, then yeah. I mean, I wasn't even fully aware of that before the season, so I kind of thought he would slot in as the starter over Rozier. Um, I didn't realize that he was you know that big. So yeah, it's been cool to see Rozier and Miller playing that well. Yeah. Without those guys in, obviously like PJ Washington just got hurt last game, and um, they were um, obviously without Miles Bridges in the beginning of the season we don't have to talk about bridges i don't know how the heck that guy's in the league but whatever um but i mean yeah i mean the, the hornets are 7 and 15 that's not great but it's not nearly as putrid as these other teams we're talking about at the bottom so um i think that's really a really good point um you know um, you know surprisingly enough i don't watch a lot of hornets basketball so um it's good to good to see miller playing that well so i think that's a good shout out for sure um yeah i mean they're they're uh you know, there have been some um, some other teams that have struggled, but for the most part, those are really the worst teams out there. I think outside of those teams, there's a good bit of parity in the league. Right? Even the teams that have kind of struggled, they'll have chances to make playoff pushes, right? Like you look at the Pelicans. That's another team I'm a little bit curious about. They're kind of like the Magic in the sense that they have insane depth, but they're 1-11 on the road. Um, or excuse me, no, 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 that's the Jazz, my bad. The Pelicans are actually five and seven on the road, so they're not so bad. They're fourteen and eleven now, still in the nine seed, which shows how tough the West is. But what are your thoughts on the Pelicans? Um, with like that, that like kind of that situation of you know you have almost six starters, right? You have Trey Murphy off the bench, right? Like, what do you think they do with all that young talent? Do you think there's a chance they try to get a third star um, next to Zion and Ingram? by using those uh, those young pieces or not? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see who they would go for. I mean, CJ's still really good as yeah. their point guard, but, I mean, they've got a ton of pieces, and I'm, I'm huge on Trey Murphy. 
I think he's been great for them since he got back. I mean, he he's one of the few shooters who can pull up from 30 feet, and it feels like it's going to go in. He's so good. He so, really is. I think for them, it's just about figuring out how they're going to play as a team. You know, is Zion going to be our go-to guy? Is Ingram? Are we just going to share the ball and have three guys or like five guys scoring 15 or more points a game? So I think for them, it's just about finding their direction because the talent is there. You know, obviously they need Ingram and Zion to stay healthy. But yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll be fine. I feel like they have too much talent to not make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's, it's a, I mean, you look at the teams above them, though, man. I mean, Minnesota, OKC, Dallas, Denver, L.A., the Kings, the other L.A. team, of course, Houston. So, I mean, I guess you argue that they make it over Houston maybe into the play-in, but which is crazy, actually. It's crazy to see that 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 top nine. And then the Suns are 10th. Yeah. Wow, you're going to have – The West is pretty pretty insane. You're going to have some teams that miss out on the playoffs where it's like, holy moly. Yeah, I you're going to have a few superstars that aren't in the playoffs this year. You are. And, like, like Tim, the Timberwolves seem too good to not make it. But, like, like, they're one, like, you know, bad couple of weeks or one injury. Hopefully it doesn't happen, obviously. They're one sort of rough stretch from all of a sudden being, like, a team that's, like, got a chance to be, like, more of like a five or sixty, like you just the, the West is so competitive, right? Because Dallas with Luca, they're going to keep coming. I think Luca's gone to the, the point where if you just give him some kind of competent roster, obviously you have Kyrie there as well. You know, he's going to carry you to uh, the playoffs. I think last year was a bit of a, an anomaly, honestly. I think that's, that's the last time you'll ever see Luca Doncic miss the playoffs, in my opinion, unless you know, unless you know, we count years where he's like in his late thirties, like way down the road, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we got to talk about the Suns a little bit. I mean, they're not even a top eight seed right now. Um, do you, I mean, it's really just health. I mean, yeah, I can't say I'm that surprised. What do you? What are your thoughts on that on that team, though? I mean, yeah, they went all in on having a big three, and they've only gotten to play together once. And then Booker's missed a lot of time as well. So it's just their roster is built around their stars, and if they're not playing, they're obviously going to struggle. So for them, it's just about staying healthy. You know, I'm curious to see how they play when all three are on the court. You know, I feel like Katie and Booker are so good that they'll figure out a way to make it work. I mean, their regular season record when they're together is incredible. But it's just they just have to stay healthy. You know, if there's a long stretch where they're hurt, it may it may come down to a play-in game where they have to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they feel like they feel like the new Clippers who have surprisingly stayed healthy. Again, knock on wood. Um, obviously, they've had their struggles, but they're getting it kind of together. now. They've won, I think they've won five in a row now, the Clippers. So yeah. they've quietly figured it out. They've gone from 8-10 and 10 to 13-10. and 10, So that's good for them. Um, as someone who loves Kawhi Leonard, I'd like to see them succeed. He's the guy that I've really been shocked by in terms of his health. His production is down, but maybe it's for the better. Maybe you know he's he's putting a little less wear and tear on his body, less a little less usage. I think that usage rate's gone down. Paul George has a really minor injury right now, but I think he's he's already like he had one injury that took him out of last game, and he's already questionable to play like the next one. So I don't think it's a long term issue. So and they have enough depth, right? They have enough depth to kind of survive without one guy. The only worry is that multiple guys go down, right? Um, in the regular season, right? Because as long as you get to the playoffs with everyone healthy, 
the Clippers can can do some serious damage. That's that just shows how deep the West is. I just think it's crazy that one of Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavs, Nuggets, Lakers, Kings, Rockets, Clippers, Pelicans, Suns. I, crazy that two of those teams won't even make the play-in, right? So, um, or excuse me, excuse me, uh, two of them won't make the playoffs. My bad. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're seven through ten right now. Like I said, Houston, Clippers, Pelicans, Suns. If that was the play-in right now, that'd be pretty, pretty intense. Um, you'd have New Orleans or Phoenix missing. Obviously, that's going to all change by the end of the season, the order and everything. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, also, really quick, you know, RIP to the Grizzlies, 6-17. My God, they're not going to even – I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Do you think there's a chance they make the play-in if Jaw comes back? I mean, I guess they could. What do you think? They could maybe push for a lower play-in spot, but they'll need – I mean – They'll need to go on some big, big runs and big winning streaks. I'm I'm surprised they got off to such a bad start without him. Me too. Because they were so good without him last year, but yeah, they've they've really struggled and yeah, his suspension is borderline wasted a season of theirs. It, it almost highlights Stephen Adams' importance too. I mean, yeah. I, it's not talked about a lot, but JJJ is is kind of you know Jaron Jackson's. I mean, he did a 44 last game, I believe. In a loss, too. <laughs> I think they lost that game. That's crazy. But they didn't have Bain. But J- Jaron had 44 points. But, I mean, overall this season, he's not been the defensive player that he was last year. He's, I, he's definitely not going to get, uh, like, even, like, a top three spot in the DPLI race. Um, that's going to be, you know, someone else. You know, it could be probably go bear, actually. Probably go bear. Probably going to win another one. But, um, yeah, I mean – Hopefully they kind of get together, even though I'm not like the some big Memphis Grizzlies fan. You know, I, I do feel for the fans, um, especially because Marcus Smart's there now, obviously. So, um, yeah, but we'll see how it shakes up in the West. That's a really interesting conference. I didn't even – it's crazy when you zoom out and look at, at all these teams, right? You look at these top ten teams and, and know that two won't make the playoffs. That is wild. And I, and I do see where you're coming from looking at these teams now. I, I, I do think it's a fair assessment to say the Rockets don't end up making it. Um, the question is, what's the other team that doesn't? Because I, I think all of those other teams deserve to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Like the Kings, if they don't make the playoffs, that's that'd be crazy, right? L.A. with Paul George and, and Harden and all these guys, that'd be crazy. New Orleans, they're deserving. Phoenix, obviously, right? You know, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but out east, um, I think it's a little less – intense in terms of like the the um you know like the the playoff race like in that like seven through ten range but it's still gonna be close right it's gonna be close um indiana miami new york brooklyn cleveland right one of these teams won't make it um probably if i had to guess it'd be brooklyn um maybe new york but i'd say brooklyn probably would be my pick to not to not make make it into the playoffs out of those teams. Um, and the Hawks, man, I guess really quickly, I just want to talk about the Hawks. I didn't realize this. I was looking at their record and their stats. They're three and seven at home, bro. Like what? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. And they've lost three of their last 10. They've lost five in a row. I didn't know that. They've had a tough schedule. But, I mean, that's tied for, you know, the second longest losing streak or third longest losing streak, I think. In the NBA, by the way, the Spurs have lost 18 in a row. You asked earlier, they've lost 18 in a row. Um, but 
I mean, literally, the Hawks are tied for they're or they're they're alone for the fourth longest losing streak behind literally just our Golden Boys, the Wizards, Pistons, and Spurs. Um, so, what are your thoughts on the Hawks? Like, I know we talked about it a little bit last time, but how do you think they kind of can turn it around? Or do you think it's just sort of a, a let it run its course type thing? Yeah, I mean, last time we talked, they were actually one of my teams that. I said that's a team you do not want to see in the playoffs, but yeah, yeah, they're they're just really struggling right now. You know, five in a row. I mean, Trey, Trey's turned it around too. His shooting has gotten a lot better lately, and he's had a few games, even last night, where he really went off the entire game, and they still lost fairly comfortably to the Raptors, who are a struggling team. So, I I don't know. I mean, obviously they're missing Jalen Johnson a lot. You know, he's huge for them in transition and he'd been a really big bright spot for them this year but I just I just don't think the DeJounte trade fit is is gonna work you know it's been a season they got a new coach we're a fourth of the way through the new year with him and it just they're they've been a 500 or worse team since they got him so I just think you know it's not a good fit which is hard to accept because they gave up a decent amount of assets for him and they kind of thought those two were the future for the next few years. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's unfortunate for Hawks fans, you know, because they are, uh, you know, one of the top – I believe they have a top 10 offense in the NBA still, right? But they're just oh, they're I, like top it, five. Yeah, 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 top five. It doesn't surprise me. Yep, top five. And they have a negative net rating. And that's just brutal. You know, that's tough to see. It's like it's just, we uh, all their games they play are just shootouts, right? And you just can't really win in, in across – the course of an NBA season, if that's all you're doing. Um, obviously, like, you, that's what you are kind of concerned about as a Pacers fan. Hopefully those guys can kind of shore up their defense, but they're still in a better position as of now than the Hawks. Um, the, you know, like the West, the East, I mean, it is pretty crazy to see the depth still. Like I, like I said, I don't think it's as intense of a race, at least in terms of the storylines, because there's not as many, like, like big-time superstars on all of these teams. But you still have, I mean, you still have Donovan, the Donovan Mitchells of the world, the McCall Bridges, um, even the Pascal Siakams, uh, you know, on, on Toronto Raptors. But you're going to get a situation where, I mean, look, like I think the biggest thing is this is the only thing I'll really say about it um, with the Eastern Conference and the race. I think the biggest thing we've talked about over the last few years is the, the young teams creating even more parity and kind of becoming like they're taking the next step. And I think it is really cool to see Orlando do that because now Orlando makes it even tougher for these, you know, six through 10 teams to get in. Right. Like a team like Orlando has basically made it where last year we were talking about how, you know, good teams are going to miss the playoffs. Like, like, you know, even the, you know, the bulls aren't their, their worst this year, but last year the bulls still had a shot to make it and they didn't. Right. And that's still a talented squad. Right. But now it's like, you know, uh, even less teams are going to make it that deserve it, you could argue, you know. So you're going to get the Raptors out of there. They're not going to make it, I don't think. Um, and if they do, right, they knock out the Nets. The Knicks are in jeopardy, even though they're a talented squad. We'll see how it unfolds. Honestly, it's exciting. Um, if you had to kind of – out of these teams right now, let's. I'll, I'll give you five because I'll count the Hawks. They're, they're at 11. I'm not even going to count the Bulls. They're a dumpster fire. But, you know, right now, 7 through 11 is the Knicks, Nets, Cavs, Raptors, Hawks. If you had to choose two teams from those teams to get into the playoffs off the Dome, who would they be? 
Uh, definitely the Cavs. I think. Me too. Yeah. From the teams that are seated in the plane right now, they're my pick to break into the top six. You know, they've had some injuries, but I feel like I don't love the fit of their roster, but I still feel like they're they have the most talent of those teams. You know, Donovan, Garland, and Mobley are all incredible. They just got to yeah. figure out how they're going to play together. So I think they're in, and then I would say probably the probably the Knicks over the Nets. You know, I still feel like the Knicks were a really good team last year. They won a playoff series. They beat the Cavs. You know, Tom Thibodeau, he's going to have them fighting for every game. So I feel like they are going to miss Mitchell Robinson for a while, though, so that could hurt them. But I feel like they're still better than the the Nets. Yeah, and, and – I love the magic. I mean, like like I said, this doesn't change anything because like the magic are literally doing what we we were talking about the last few seasons, like making the parody NBA like more and more equal, right? And making it more and more tough for all these deserving teams to to get in. But I will say, like the magic are, you know, even though they're the three seed, they're three and a half games ahead of the nine seeded Cavs. I do think the Magic have a tougher schedule coming up. I, although they played the Boston Celtics twice in a row, I believe, and they they for some for some reason the last two seasons they've played so well against us. They just they take the matchup so personal because I think it was Eddie House, some Celtics guy, on one of you know for part of NBC Boston was like talking about how mediocre, how bad the, the the Magic were before one of their games last year. So they've kind of taken that personal. They really play well against us. Mo Wagner averages like twenty against us. He used to be on the Celtics. Um, it's really, really funny, actually. But I think there's a chance the Magic actually don't make it. I know you like. I know we talk about them, you know, as a consistent team with their defense. But I do think there's a chance that um, they don't make it. We have seen teams with elite defenses not make the playoffs or not get into the top six just because their offense. Right? We've seen the Knicks do that before, actually, um, a few years ago when they had a really good defense. Um, and, you know, still to make the playoffs. But obviously they've also been a playoff team too in the last few years as well. So we'll see how it all shakes out. That's very interesting, I think. The race is just so – it's so, you know, deep in both conferences now. Um, like really quickly, like with the, the Bulls, I know I mentioned them, like with like a guy like Levine, like and maybe like even DeRozan, like do you think those guys are like all – on the trade block, I feel like Levine's played his last game in Chicago. Like, what what do you think? It looks like it's going that direction, but, I mean, a report came out two days ago that the Bulls are looking to add win-now pieces, so I just – I really have no clue what they're thinking. I mean, Levine came – I don't know if it's a true report. Someone reported it. You never know if the NBA media, but it said that he'd prefer to go to the Lakers if he gets traded. But yeah. – I feel like they've reached I – mean, they're actually playing better since he's gotten hurt. But I feel like they're at a point where, yeah, it's time to try and cash in on their better players and get assets for the future. But I just – I really have no clue what that front office is thinking. I mean, right now the bright spot for them has been Kobe White. Seriously, he's played insanely well. Um, and that's the thing. That's another you know, example. Like the Bulls are a team that they've now won um, – I think they've won four of their last six, but they have lost two in a row against. So they're kind of back. They did all that work, and now they're back to square one again. Um, but that's another team where it's like, wow, they're going to probably be a bottom four team in the East, and they have legit talent, even without living. They still have legit talent on that squad. So I don't think the NBA has ever been as deep as it is now. Um, 
in terms of other trade candidates, like, do you think the Warriors ship any of those veterans, particularly like Clay Thompson? Do you think they're just too dedicated to keeping that guy on the team just because of what he's been through with them? Sorry, real quick. I just saw this, but this is kind of funny. We we actually signed James. We just signed James Johnson. Really? Yeah, I guess. No way. Look at that. We got a we had a Woj bomb mid pod. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I guess we, uh, after last night, we wanted to bring our enforcer back in. That is hilarious. I is actually. Oh my god, I like the Pacers even more now. No way they freaking did that. That's funny, but that. uh, yeah. Sorry. Can you no, repeat? you're good. You're yeah. good. I was just asking if you think the the Warriors might trade a guy like Clay at the deadline, or even like a guy like Wiggins. I mean. They're so loyal to their players, and they have that's. I mean, that's why they were able to build such a dynasty, pretty much. But yeah. I feel like if Steph gets to the point where he's like, he goes to them and says, "I can't, I can't win with this roster," which I feel like it could get there soon, then they'll make a trade to try and, you know, he's he's still playing amazing, but he's he's getting older, so I feel like they know they've only got a few more years of Steph being one of the best players in the league. So I feel like. If he gets to the point where he's like, I need help, they'll they'll be willing to ship anyone but him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And by the way, Mark Cuban just spoke on the uh, – how do you pronounce Oscar's last name, the rookie from the Pacers? So, I don't know how to say it. I believe it's Shibwe. Shibwe, okay. Cuban just said he believes that Shibwe deserved the game ball, um, suggesting that Giannis should have received a signed stat sheet instead. He said, I'd give the ball to the rookie. With situations like that, I'd take the box score. I'd get his teammates to sign it, and I'd frame it for him. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on the Pacers' side there. Um, I think a lot of people are. Giannis, there's a different level of petty. I, I, I didn't expect that from him, but he has shown, you know, to be a little bit of a, little bit of a hothead at times. But, you know, um, you got Bucks fans, too, like really – heated about it but like i said man my biggest takeaway and i don't know if you agree here but like if like as a pacers fan like what would you be thinking if hal burton reacted the way Giannis did about anything like i i don't know about you man but i thought that was just like secondhand embarrassment to the max um i know we're, i'm shifting back to that but i just think it's hilarious um i don't know what, what do you think as a bucks fan are you i mean does it surprise you at all that bucks fans are still like fully on like kind of backing Giannis on that yeah, I mean, obviously, you're always going to side with your team. Yeah. But it, yeah, I feel like I feel like if he'd just gone to the tunnel, like, and just walked in there and asked for the ball back, or, like, asked where the ball is, and, like, they figured out that the Pacers didn't even have the game ball to begin with, Yeah, that nothing would have happened. But, you know, when you see a seven-footer sprinting into your, lock, into your locker room, like, screaming – Obviously, then some tempers will rise, and that's when Miles was like, no, he's not getting it back. You know, maybe if he'd just gone in and been like, hey, like, this is really special to me. Is there any chance? Then it would have gone differently. But, yeah, I think it was just handled poorly. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, just because we did it last time, we had, like, our little MVP ladder, top five. Um, you could throw out some honorable mentions if you want to, too. I know I did last time. Um, do you want to – you can get started. Just give me, like, if you have, like, one right now, if you – you know, even if you don't have an order for it. Um, but just – I just want to hear where your head's at. Last time we talked, 
you didn't have Halliburton in your MVP top five, and I was shocked by it. I want to see if that's still the case. I know it might be. The league is full of talent. Um, but what is your uh, what is your you know new MVP ladder looking like? Yeah, I still have the big four of Joel, Jokic, Giannis, and Luca in there. Mm-hmm. And then I think third right now, I probably have Shea over Tyrese just because the Thunder are so good. And Shea's still averaging 30 points a game, and their team is so young, and he's their leader. I think for me, Tyrese is probably somewhere between the 6 to 10 range. You know, realistically, he doesn't have a chance to win it. Maybe if they're a five seed or higher, he's in the conversation a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many good players that I feel like the guys on the best teams that are putting up, you know, 30 points a game are probably the ones that are going to win it. Yeah. Well, just to clarify, not that – no, I mean, I, I, I like your list just fine, but just to clarify, you can you can do it as a list of who you, you know, vote. You don't have to make it like what you expect. But, I mean, at the same time, I respect that because I'm kind of with you, like – I think it's hard to ignore like these guys putting up these gaudy stats on these elite teams, right? Like, like I think it's, I'm very comfortable saying Tatum's not in my top five, despite our record, just because he's really, I mean, he is, he's fully committed to just, it's, it's everybody eats this year, right? Like I think we're going to really get a season where Jason Tatum takes less shots than he did in the last five years since before he became an all-star and then probably in the playoffs will ramp it up. But I'm okay with that obviously as a Celtics fan. So uh, I think my, my race would still be Joker at one. Um, although, you know, I think Embiid makes a legit argument, um, you know, but I mean, it's not like the Sixers have a much better record than Denver. And I still think I'd put Jokic at one. I put Embiid at two, probably I'd put Giannis at three. Um, you know, do I think Embiid's the second best player in the league? I've said it before. I still don't really know if I'd put him in my top five just because of his playoff, um, his playoff performances, unfortunately. And, and, and whether it's because of injuries or not, just feels like he's always dipping his game in the playoffs. And he had an historic decrease in points per game last playoffs. I believe he averaged 12 less points per game. That was the most by any MVP candidate ever. And I think, up there with the most by an all-star like around there with like the likes of like Julius Randle when he makes the playoffs. But yeah, I put Jokic and Bede and Giannis in that top three. Um, and then at four, I'd put, you know, I'd probably put Luca actually, you know, maybe above Giannis um, just because I think his cast is worse, um, especially because Kyrie's been dealing with injuries. So I think I'd probably put Luca at three, Giannis at four. And then I'd probably put, yeah, it's tough. I like Shea as your five. I was wrestling between him and Halliburton. I think it's fair to put Shea. I think I'm actually going to – I know it's boring, but I think I'm actually going to agree with yours and, and go with yours as well um, just because OKC is the two seed. That's the only reason why. Um, if the Pacers – you know, if, if OKC drops to a, a five or six seed, I'd put Halliburton ahead of him. Um, and – you know, those are also two of the best young guys. I think those are the two guys who you could kind of interchange between that like eight to ten in the league type range right now. Um, but yeah, I like your list, man. I think that's pretty much my list as well. Um, but yeah, man, it's been really fun watching the NBA this season. 
you got any anything else you want to add just to the conversation you know anything you want to talk about in regards to what's been going on in hoops lately no i mean i think that covers it we've had a a lot of drama the last few days, so I'm glad we got to talk about that. Dude, it's been hilarious, man. I, I, I swear, dude. I, the, the, the Milwaukee thing, the Milwaukee Patriots thing is just gold. Um, and I want to, you know, I think, do I have the audio up? I don't know if I have it up right now, but um, I had, like, this audio up earlier on my computer. It was, like, the leaked audio from the game. Did you get a chance to listen to that? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty much just Giannis screaming, "Where's the ball?" I'm gonna play it. this. This is hilarious. I'm just gonna play it really quick. Yeah. Um, just listen. So you'll. I mean, I'll just. I'll tell you who was saying what after. You might even know if you've seen it, but I'll just play. It's like 25 seconds long. One sec. He's saying, "Get out of here." So basically, it's like it's mostly kind of murky, but with the subtitles, basically, like when Giannis full on sprints back there, Turner, so the security guard of the Pacers or someone or the Bucks is like, get out of here, get out of here. And then Heald is like, keep that ball, keep that ball. And Turner repeatedly says, keep it, keep it. And then Turner starts clapping his hands. That's the part you could probably pick up, if anything. And he's clapping his hands and saying, I like that, I like that. And then afterwards, I didn't play this part because you can't really hear anything. But Giannis, you can see him mouthing it. He's saying to ta- to Halliburton as he like touches him, pushes him. He says, "I just want you to know that you need to go get that ball." Yeah. And I'm like, dude, like, what is? What are we? Twelve? That's that's the only, that's my biggest takeaway. Maybe I'm maybe I'm like not giving him enough benefit of the doubt because I get that we've seen players get heated before, but I just think it's freaking outrageous, man. But yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on again, man. I'll have you on soon. Um, uh, sorry to everyone, all, you know, 20 viewers so far <laughs> that we haven't done a pod in a few weeks. But um, as this thing picks up more steam, with, I'm going to try to get more consistent with it. Um, but, yeah, everyone have a good day. Thanks again, Grom.